Hunter Dickinson, Bronny James, Bob Huggins. It has been a very newsy week in college basketball. We got a lot to get to here uh, on this week's episode of the pod. Appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, the portal deadline is 48 hours away at time of recording. You, this will probably hit your guys' podcast apps around the day of the portal deadline, which means uh, it will be interesting to see what names are in uh, as of Thursday that are not in as we record this show, because I do think if you talk to people around the sport, there is an expectation there will be a few more kind of notable players that go in in the next two days. Brad, it is also worth noting, and I don't know if people know this or not, I don't know how publicly not known this is at least, but that the grad transfers are are exempt from that. So if you are graduating, um, you can go in the portal at any time. So oh. there could be a little bit of trickle down from guys who are in the draft still after, particularly guys in the draft after that May 11th deadline. I did not realize that grad transfers can go in whenever they want. But- that, that's why the BJ Max were in like the week early. Speaking of BJ Mac, committed to South Carolina, but so Crystal, so a Crystal Ball a few days ago for Alabama. So, uh, well, Alabama needs a big or four, really. They need a four. Um, and I saw, I think Trilly Donovan had Papa Conte visiting Bama soon. So, um, I mean. I think, obviously, we got the two five-stars with Ron Holland and, and, and Baco. But I, for me, and you, you've you heard me mention these guys over and over and over, but the the two most interesting guys out there, Papa Conte and Tyler Johnson, because they have so much – they have four years of eligibility and, and they're top 100 recruits. Um, so those guys could fit in like almost any roster. And – Every roster needs a guy who can like come off the bench for a year and then be a starter the next year. Um, so those are two guys we're, we're we're watching for. But you know, pro- probably should lead with the big news. There's a guy named Brownie James who's off the USC. Any thoughts on on that? I I, I know the the most common observation is wait a second, he's going to come off the bench. Like he's not better than Boogie Ellison. Isaiah Collier, I, I'm i kind of leaning towards they go three guards and just bring Kobe Johnson off the bench, but where do you see it? Yeah, so, so this, this whole thing's going to be interesting, and this whole thing is also not a finished product, right? Because I, I do think on paper it makes most sense to play Bronny off the bench. He is 6'2", 6'3". Boogie and Collier are no bigger than that. Like, this is not a situation where, you know, they've got like a 6'6 point guard that they can play up a spot defensively. Um, and they also just brought in another like two, three and DJ Rodman from Washington state who, you know, would make sense if it's just, Oh, that's whatever, a whatever bench piece. But DJ Rodman, like from what I was told was commanding like a pretty considerable NIL number. Like he's again, he, yeah, he's a starter. He's a starting caliber player in the pac 12. He averaged 10 points a game on a you know, top 100 team. So yeah, like I think like it, the, the the like starting versus coming off the bench thing is going to be weird. I, I think it also probably shouldn't get overplayed, right? Because at the end of the day, it is possible that like Andy Enfield just goes the path of least resistance, starts Barani, um nominally, and then, you know, we'll see if he's on the floor to close games. But, you know, 
there is a very kind of strong one through three that the Trojans now have, right? Because like Bronny, hate Bronny, whatever. I think most people who've actually evaluated him, who've watched him, whether it be at Sierra Canyon, at McDonald's, at Hoop Summit, at um, you know EYBL, think he's like a college-ready guard, right? Whether he's a guy who's going to be a huge impact, you know, high, high double-digit scorer, whether he's going to be, you know, what 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 is his role going to be? Nobody really can you know, find a consensus, but like it seems like people like people who've evaluated him have kind of come to consensus like, yeah, like this guy can like play in a college game. He's tough. He's smart. He keeps the ball moving. He can make an open three. Like he's a good defender. Um, it all kind of like that, that, that stuff all works. And so whether he's starting off the bench, like there's probably 20 minutes a game available for Bronny James to come in and play and you have Collier and you have Ellis and you have those two kind of traditional two threes and Kobe Johnson and, and DJ Rodman. And then you've got a couple of fives in Iwachuku and Josh Morgan. Now, I will say this. The USC is building a really good roster. And there is a lot of buzz around the sport that Aaron Bradshaw, who I believe is a clutch kid, um, could also join you at join leave decommit from Kentucky and go to USC. Now, Aaron Bradshaw has been very open about wanting to play the four. I don't know that's a smart move, but USC has plenty of minutes to offer at that at that power forward spot with the Trey White departure. So, look, I, I don't know how we're defining what Bronny's whether it's Bronny starting, whether it's whatever, but like. And I also don't think this was all like by by design, right? Like I think Bronny's going to USC because USC's a Nike school in LA, right? Like I, I don't think this is like, oh man, we built everything around this like perfect fit for for who he is as a player. But I think it is like coincidentally a very solid landing spot for for where he is as a player, for where his expectations will be from like the national media and fans and whatnot. Like I, I think it will work out well because I think it's a team that can win, it's a team that he'll have a chance to play for, but not a team that will force him to do a ton as a freshman. Because look, like, like I know Borzello mentioned this in March, right? Like well under 50% of top 100 kids and even under 50% of top 25 kids actually average 10 plus points a game as freshmen. It just is not that common, right? If Bronny James can average seven points three rebounds and two assists on 41% from the field and 37% from three. That's like, and he defends fine. And that's he's on a top 15 team. Like that's probably a successful season, regardless of like what the haters are going to say. Right. So Bronny should be, you know, by, by his style of play, like a really nice glue guy. He can shoot. I saw Gavoni say a few weeks ago that his defense is really strong. He's, he's become more built and that he could maybe have like a Marcus Smart type of impact in the NBA. Um, so, so that's, I mean, that's a great fit next to the best player in the country, you know, best incoming freshman in the country in Collier, who's a point guard, and then Boogie Ellis, who's one of the best perimeter scorers in the country. That's a great fit there. Kobe Johnson's a great role guy, can really defend. Great size. Rodman hits threes. He, he can defend as well. You mentioned 10 points a game. So that that's a nice group on the perimeter. And then your front court, it's going to have your starter from this year, Joshua Morgan. There's going to have three top 50 recruits um, with Iwachuku and 
Kijani Wright, who'll be sophomores, and Aaronton Page, who I believe is Collier's high school teammate, um, also a top 50 guy in the front court. So they got nine like serious dudes. And you mentioned more high-profile guys could be on the way. Um, so I think currently a conservative place to put this USC team would be like you know between 20 and 25. I, I think it should probably be a little higher. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that they have. I think I think that they have real top ten upside. I mean, th- th- these 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 pieces fit fit together well, and it doesn't seem like Bronny is someone who's going to destroy the chemistry with, um, you know, taking excessive shots or anything. They got the guards, they got the bigs, they got wings now. Seems like they got it all. Yeah, I. I I think there's probably like a whole like a traditional power forward, especially from like a spacing standpoint. But I, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a top 10 to 15 team in the country. I certainly think on paper right now, it's probably the best team in the Pac-12, right? I mean, UCLA has a ton of turnover. Obviously, Mick Cronin is a ter- terrific coach. And I think we both buy into the potential jump that Dylan Andrews could make. There's some international talent that's joining the fray with UCLA and more could be on the way. But like, I think it's probably a better roster than UCLA. It's probably a better roster than Arizona. And I, and I, I think the Andy Enfield narrative probably should have, if it hasn't already died. I mean, like there were some disappointing years without question when they had talent, right. When they had the boat rights and Metus and, you know, Jordan McLaughlin and all those guys, but I mean, lately, like he he overachieved with Evan Mobley. Um, he's made the tournament consistently with good, not great rosters in the two years since then. Like, I think he deserves like a decent amount of credit, and they've got pieces. Like, Collier is probably going to be the best freshman in college basketball next year. I mean, he's just so solid and competitive, and like. I love that kid. I saw him in April last year, and then I saw him in August at the uh, Under Armour uh, Elite 24 camp, and he was just tremendous. Like he just elevates every gym he's in. Like, like they've got some stuff. Like they've got a real chance to be pretty darn good. And you know, I mean, thinking ahead, like the spectacle of Bronny in an Elite Eight game potentially, or a Final Four game, be, it'd be good for the sport. You know, prior to the Rodman ad, I was thinking a good guy to round out this roster would be Mongolian Mike. Because he, he's a ball mover, he can pass, he can shoot off the catch, he's got great size, he can be, you know, a secondary ball handler. And, you know, maybe they're open to adding a, you know, maybe not like a wing like that, but maybe like a backup point guard, maybe like a mid-major guy. Um, just just for depth purposes. But yeah, this USC team, I think it's pretty safe to say as of right now, they're the Pac-12 favorites. Now, Oregon's going to have talent. We have no idea what UCLA's roster is going to look like at this point, but they're going to be pretty talented. Arizona will be pre- pretty talented. Um, but you think you got to put USC in, in the driver's seat. And then just secondarily on Bronny, in terms of the NBA stock for 2024, I don't know how much this, LeBron will join your team thing is really going to play a part. Like LeBron is obviously still a very good NBA player as he's currently got the Lakers up three, one over the Warriors. 
balling out. But he's going to be 40. And, like, if you don't think Bronny's more than, like, a eighth, ninth man type of guy in the NBA, like, just bringing in LeBron for a year or two is, like, what does that really do for you? Well, I, I think it's probably, I mean, one, like, it's one depends on, like, where you are, right? Like, if it's the Cavs, for instance, it probably means more than, like, the Hornets, right? Like, I also think, right, like, it, it depends on the pick, right? Like, if, if we're talking about, oh, we're going to draft Bronny in the top 10 to get LeBron over guys that we think are, like, more legitimate top 10 picks, yeah, that's crazy. But, like, at 25, if it's, like, Bronny plus LeBron or, you know, like, in this year's draft, like, you can get, like, Bryce Sensabaugh or you can get, like, a guy who's probably, like, a like – a, let's say Bronny, we, like, people think is, like, a two-way type of contract guy. Would you rather have Bryce Sensabaugh or like a two-way level player and and LeBron James? I guess Bronny and LeBron, but like it's it's going to be such a specific team that's going to be willing to take the, the risk, right? Because like if you're a totally bottom barrel rebuilding team, LeBron might just like not come, right? Like. There's always a chance that you draft Ronnie and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to let my son forge his own path. Right. So it's got to be a team that like needs LeBron to push them over the top. Has a late enough pick where they can use it on Bronny. And, you know, can, can fit LeBron in there. The cast. Yeah. But yeah, it will, it'll be an interesting storyline to me. I talked about so much over the next year to you know seven uh, 15 months or so so uh, it's not like the story is going away anytime soon the recruitment was very very odd with Bronny the in terms of like the level of communication that happened between UCLA or USC excuse me and Bronny like it was next to none particularly until the last couple of weeks like I mean it's funny like USC was like quote-unquote getting Bronny for like three months but, like, there was a stretch where, like, they hadn't really talked to Bronny at all directly. So, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Obviously, his star is not – it's not fair to him because Bronny has done nothing to, like, bring on this spotlight or bring on these expectations. So, I hope he has a very successful college career. Um, but I also, you know, at the end of the day, right, like – we 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 should be kind of real about the realities of the situation, which is that a lot of five stars do what Bronny will likely do, which is like having a mediocre freshman season in college, trying to adjust to a new role and and whatnot. Should should we move on to the other super high profile commitment with Hunter Dickinson? Well, let, do you want to hit Bob Huggins first? Just because that's sure. more recent. Yeah. So Bob uh, Huggins on Monday on a Cincinnati radio station with a apparently regularly controversial host and a guest who is a former Huggins assistant made some uh, anti-LGBTQ comments. We don't need to repeat the word that he said on the air, um, but it was not certainly not. Um, not something you say in 2023, 
the instant initial reaction for everyone is like, oh my gosh, he has to be fired. Um, he has to go, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The reality here, particularly at a place like West Virginia, particularly with the team that they have and the portal class that they've built and a place that Bob Bob Huggins is very well liked, given he is an alum, given he has been there for a long time, given he took them to a Final Four, reality is a little bit more murky. Um, Brad, I mean, I, I guess your initial reaction to all of this, do you think that this rises to the level of something that should get him fired? Um, I mean, I... I personally kind of think like I don't really think it's something he needs to be fired over, but like I do think it shows like such a clear lack of like judgment um, that it certainly there's some level of reprimand, and it wouldn't. I, I don't think it would be unreal unreasonable to fire him over. I put it that way. No, I think he just gets suspended a few games. I mean, yeah. the 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 right coach doesn't get fired. You know, like Greg McDermott didn't get fired for saying something racist. Uh, Mark Few didn't get fired for getting a DUI. And those are just two recent examples. You know, so everyone puts different value of how bad the racist versus the homophobic versus the drunk driving is. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, given those, you know, the the kind of precedent is sent is, you know, if if you're winning – and you do something bad, it's not as heinous as if you're Mark Adams and you're losing, or or if you're Pat Chambers and you're kind of a, mostly a perennial loser and you, and and you do something bad, then you're then then you're probably getting fired. But the reality is, I think you put Huggins more in the class with McDermott and Few that few game suspension and they'll kind of wipe it off the board. Yeah, I would I would kind of tend to agree, right? Like it's also kind of near the end for Huggins. So this is, you know, him getting fired is kind of the end of his career or the end of his time in the public eye. And is that does that play into things? Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Um look, I I don't, I don't know. Like I, I think at the end of the day. I, I think at the end of the day, right, like it showed just like a clear lack of compassion. Like he said it and then like kind of thought about it and said it again. Right? Like yeah. he, there was no like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have said that on the air. Whoops. It was like, ha ha ha, like what I said. Uh, yeah. So obviously the impact would be tremendous, right? Obviously it's a big 12 job that would open, but there's also the implications like would it blow up their roster? Because Look, like obviously the NIL stuff makes. I I, I think it's worth well, debating. Right. I, are are they committed to Bob Huggins? Or are they committed to the collective? Right. I don't know. Do you well, think that 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 they would um, promote one of the guys on the staff just for the year? I don't really think so. Hmm. Because there's not really a guy on staff other than Ron Everhart, who's been there forever. Former Duquesne coach. Correct. And it's early enough you could still do a search. But, yeah, I really don't know what would happen. But if it did blow, like, like the implications of a, you know, June 1st, let's say, or not even June 1st, May 20th, 
you know, Jesse Edwards, Kirk Creesa, Raekwon Battle become available. Let's just say that Perez sticks. Also, if, if Perez doesn't, if, if Perez, if it does get fired, then we start really wondering if like Jose Perez is like some weird jinx. Yeah. I guess he was Wojo. Wojo, yeah. And then Massiello gets fired like a week before the season. And then Huggins takes himself down with the, uh, with the, with the uh, homophobia. Really quite a thing. So I think a few, few games suspension for Huggins. And people will just continually reference that. I'm sure student sections will heckle him and be homophobic themselves in, in their heckle. You can see that coming. Yes. Um, next up then, though, Hunter Dickinson, Brad in the Big 12. Uh, finally off the board. We talked about him last week. Uh, I mean, I think we agreed at the time, at the time, right? Like, this was the best fit for him. Um, I just, you know. We, I, I saw, I saw, I think the love got a little crazy with Hunter, and the love has gotten a little crazy with this Kansas roster, right? Particularly, Absolutely. obviously, if they get Mackenzie and Baco, it gives them a talent injection. But it's not even a great roster, especially for Kansas' standard. It's not a great roster. It's a good roster. It's like a, um, you know, maybe a top twenty-five roster, and then you get the Bill Self bump. Which is where everyone would would rank them as like a top ten team, but like we we've already went over how last year Hunter Dickinson at Michigan, you know, all the talent they weren't very good, and you're gonna say this year that the second best player is gonna be Dewan Harris or Nick Timberlake, like that's 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 not enough talent to be an elite team without injecting a big uh, a big serving of Bill Self bump there. So my thought process is this, right? Like I think what Kansas has built is a roster that like makes a lot of sense, right? You have this traditional point pure passing point guard, you have this traditional kind of hulking interior force center, you have this versatile foreman who doesn't totally stretch the floor, but finds ways to impact the game. You have a shooter in Timberlake and you have potentially have Kevin McCullough, who's in the draft process. And you have all these young guards who can score Arterio Morris. Obviously he's that, you know, that's a big, you know, big part of their team next year potentially is Arterio and El Marco Jackson uh, and Johnson there in, in the backcourt. Um, so like they have the the roster makes a lot of sense, and they are still in the mix for Mbako. And I think this is the perfect landing spot for Hunter because Bill Self knows how to use bigs. Hunter will get a lot of easy baskets from the fact that this team should have relatively good spacing, and this team should have a lot of very easy right. Like think about all the post pins and and the stuff that Kansas runs under Self. Like he'll get six, you know, he'll get six to eight points a game off of post pins without doing anything. If you watch the film of whether it's David McCormick or Doka Azabuke or, you know, Landon Lucas, right? Like all these guys, when you watch the tape, they get easy basket after easy basket after easy basket. 
that being said, right, like, I don't know that this is the number one team in the country. I think it's in the mix, right? It's in the mix because it's Bill Self. It's in the mix because you have an all, a potential All-American. It's in the mix because you have one of the better point guards. It's in the mix because you have good transfers and top, you know, top 50 talent in the backcourt. But, like, it's certainly not a group that I look at and like, oh, man, that's that's the clear best team in the country, um, especially in the league they play in. So competitive, so you know, talent rich. Now that again, was this the right place for Hunter? Yes, because it's a better fit than Kentucky, where you know you're gonna have freshman scorers running the point. It's a better fit, uh, and, and the NIL situation wasn't as good. It's a better fit than Maryland, where you're basically bumping Dante Scott to the three. It's a better fit than um, Villanova, where you're basically bumping Eric Dixon to the four. Like all. all of the schools that Hunter was considering, he should have went to Kansas, and he did. But I think we should probably temper our expectations a little bit in terms of, like, how dominant a team they become because of him. So let's say they get McKenzie and Baco, who's between Kansas and Indiana. Fits clearly at both. At Kansas, he's a starting four-man. At Indiana, he's a starting three-man around a good a good roster around him. So un, under that assumption, what do we do with KJ Adams? Because KJ Adams last year, the small ball five, he excelled. He was great on short rolls. He's athletic. He's flying around. Um, but he's not the traditional Bill Self center. He's very small. He's like six seven. He's built like a wing, uh, but his game is best as that as that small ball five. So do you think he's the sixth man? Do you think he gets kind of phased out almost entirely? Where do you see the Adams-Dickinson pairing um, working out? Well, I think one of the things that hasn't been settled yet is what are we doing with Mackenzie and Baco? Because, right, like if if Mackenzie, like if they get in Baco, is KJ Adams just like chopped liver? I think he's phased out. I think even though he might be like on basically like their fourth best player, he isn't. I don't think you want to play him with Hunter Dickinson, and um, maybe they'll figure it out. Like I his, think they'll find a way to play him. I mean, look, look, I, I'm a huge fan because kind of as as was just said earlier, right? Like. Not only did he play really well as center, like they didn't get killed on glass because of it, right? Like obviously it took away an element of their offense, but he was productive. He was killer on those short rolls, right? They got to find a way to use him still. I think if if they get Mbako, I think El Marco Jackson's the sixth man. I think Ernest Uday's the seventh man, uh, and I, I I think Adams is going to get phased out. Um, now KJ KJ should transfer if that happens. Like they need they need the Mbako to decide today so the KJ can get the portal. Right, because he's got two days left. Uh, yes. you know, we're we're recording right now on the ninth, um, two hours away from the tenth. So that's that's a key key piece because I mean he's clearly a starting caliber player on on an elite team. I mean Kansas was a one seed this year. Uh, I, you know. He he's a great player. It's just he, he doesn't really fit with what they want to do. And if they get Mbako, 
realistically, how much are we going to be trying out the Adams Dickinson? Uh, Ernest Uday was a borderline five-star recruit. Also, also, I do want to say, like, if you asked me could I have KJ Adams or Mackenzie Mbako next year, I would take KJ Adams, like, unequivocally. In a vacuum, yeah. And for Kansas. Hmm. Mackenzie Mbako is not going to be, like, a knockdown shooter. But he's he's going to be way more of, of a perimeter player. Unless Adams has that skill set and just hasn't used it yet. And we're going to show up on November 6th and he's going to be, you know, one of the best power forwards in the country driving past people and everything. But um, from from everything that, that we've seen, he's like a better version of Christian Bishop, more athletic version of Christian Bishop. But yeah, he, he, he's a small kind of unique player um, that fit really well next to, you know, Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCullough, they're all huge wings, right? They're all six seven ish. Um, and he was that same size and that that was a great MO for last year's Kansas team. Yeah. I would I would absolutely prefer like the more I think about it, the more it's like a no brainer to me. KJ Adams over in Baco. And hey, we could get. I mean, looking at, at at that Indiana roster, I mean, they're screaming for a three. And I'm sure you know every guy like Mbako, right? Every guy who should be playing before uh, wants to play the three, right? So I'm 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 sure that the 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 opportunity of starting at the three for Indiana is very appealing to Kenzie Mbako, if uh, history is any indication. Yeah, that recruitment is interesting, particularly given that the kind of original. The original buzz when he first went in the port when when opened up his recruitment was man like I'm either gonna go to Louisville or St. John's and then he just eliminates Louisville before he takes the visit. Smart fighting Kansas and Indiana. Smart man. I mean, I mean Louisville did great getting Trey White. I mean Trey White clearly wanted to be a best player. He was starting for USC. I mean, Trey White might be better than Mackenzie Mbako, right? Like, again, Mackenzie yeah. Mbako had a bad senior year, and, and Mackenzie Mbako was, you know, like, like this is the worst 2023 is the worst recruiting class in 20 years. Trey White's a proven, like, all-freshman team, Pac-12 guy, which nine points a game on a tournament team. Top 50 recruit, and, you know, that's that's a absolutely home run out of the park grand slam for, for Kenny Payne. Uh, and now he's got one spot left, and it, and it better be a point guard. It's not going to be a point guard. It's going to be another combo forward. But uh, I mean, they they kind of against all odds have added all this talent. Now a lot of it's probably too young, but that Trey White to be their best player next year that is a that is a monster move for them, um, and they have so much talent now. On paper, that you know, Kenny's at least got to go like 500 in the ACC. I don't think he will. That's like the crazy thing, right? Because if 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 this was in any other context, right? Like if you just ignored four and 28, you know, ignored whatever, you know, whatever coach, and you said this team, this team is bringing back its shooting guard from last year. 
um, landing a you know tram like Sky Clark landing Sky Clark at the, as the point guard. We have maybe some questions. Then a top fifth, a former top fifty guy with three years to play. He was all freshman team, one of the ten to twenty best transfers in the portal. And Trey White, uh, two five stars and Trenton Flowers and Dennis Evans. And then oh by the way, like four star Curtis Williams, four star Caleb Glenn, former four and a half to five star Brandon Huntley Hatfield, top JUCO guy Karan Davis. Right, like you'd be like that's a tournament team. You'd be like, should we be ranking them or not? And we're just like, oh, maybe, I guess they might they might have to go 500 in the ACC. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he clearly – he just did the same thing he did last year, but with better players. Better players, yes. No guards, but the same style of guys. He loves these combo forwards who, if, if these guys are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in their primes, you have a monster team. But when it's like reclassified Trenton Flowers or last year was Kamari Lands – um, those guys that they, they're probably just not going to have the shot making and the ball skills to create enough for a good offense. And it is again worth noting, like L. Ellis had the ball in his hands all the time. Mike Mike James had a 7.6 assist rate last year. Jalen Withers had a 7.1. Kamari Lance had an 8.1. Right, like these these are their other ball handle. JJ Trainer was five point five. Those were the other guys that like were were in the rotation who like kind of were guards. That means a whole heck of a lot is gonna be on Sky Clark. And Sky Clark said, Oh, I'm finally healthy. I wasn't healthy last year. You know, I was mentally still getting over these these injuries, whatever. But but Sky Clark was not a good player last year. Full stop. And Trey White doesn't not only doesn't help you necessarily as a ball handler or as like a you know one as like a, a two two or even a two three he's like a three four. You're not a very good shooter. Like this team's shooting is very very shaky because you have Mike James who's it was one make a game last year on you know one of the worst shooting teams in the country. You know okay percentage but like he's not a sniper. Like who's the sniper on this team? Danilo Jovanovic. Yeah, who probably isn't going to play. Kurt Curtis Williams is a shooter who can't shoot. Like he's billed as the shooter, but in EYBL he shot like 27% from three, which might be okay for EYBL. I was um, going to say having having watched EYBL basketball. Yeah, shooting numbers aren't great usually. We had Louisville one spot left. Um, speaking of, of another team, though, with some maybe shooting concerns, St. John's, it looked like that they were going to go all in on shooting. Uh, but we mentioned last week, we got um, you know, this guy on YouTube, and I should get his YouTube uh, channel because I do watch it every day, so I should reciprocate with what it is called. It is called College Basketball Scouting. It puts out these great, like, three- to five-minute videos where he's basically going through the synergy breakdowns with percentiles. Um, and Glenn Taylor was in the second percentile shooting off the dribble. He was, like, okay, you know, solid off the catch. R.J. Louise was the same thing. He was, like, 18th percentile off, off the dribble. 
um, you know, kind of fine off off the catch. But you figure that's that's a starting three and four man. Plus Soriano with the five. It feels like with, with each passing day, St. John's did a, a good job in the portal. But as I've said in the past like five weeks, you know, we were sold the master plan. There was clearly no master plan. Um, and I think St. John's has built probably a bubble team at this point. Now we're waiting on Jordan Dingle from Penn, big time scorer. And we're waiting on whoever their backup center is. I know they got. Zuby Edgy of four visiting next week, which would be a nice pickup. Or Lance um, Ware, potentially. Or, or Lance Ware. But, you know, with, with a lot of these portal-heavy teams, you kind of take a step back and you're like, so the second-best player on St. John's is going to be Danis Jenkins? Oh, RJ Luis, potentially. Is that he that good? I'm a big fan of RJ Luis, personally. Well, watching his breakdown, he... he, he he kind of felt a little bit like Alpha Diallo. Yeah, I mean, he's not a great shooter, but, like, he can really slash. And he was also, like, one of those guys who is a sneaky, sneaky, like, top 150 recruit. Yeah. Late stock riser. Correct. So, I mean, look, I, I guess the way I would put it is this. Did... Like, how, how many of these guys could he not have gotten at Iona? We've taken four of them from Iona. Correct. He's got um, 11 guys. Four of them came from Iona. Danis Jenkins, Cruz Davis, Sadiku Io, and Slazinski. Soriano, he kept, so that doesn't really count. But he couldn't have gotten Joel Soriano, the spear of the portal, out of at, at, at Iona. Teresa Traor, he could get at Iona, without a doubt. Sean Conway, he could get out of Iona. Um, Naheem Aline, he could probably get out of Iona. And then it's like Glenn Taylor. Well, if you could get Elijah Joyner, I feel like you could get Glenn Taylor. It's kind of the same thing. Um, RJ Luis, probably you couldn't get him. And then the only other question is like, could you get Brady Dunlap? Probably. You know, pe- people are le- leaning on, oh, oh, oh Patino has got a top 100 recruit. Look at this composite's like 135. So yeah, I guess I guess the way I would put it with this with with St. John's is this like if you get Jingle, all of a sudden I'm like very intrigued with this group because then you have like some real shot making between him and Jenkins. Dingle basically replaces Walter Clayton, right? And you could argue that Dingle's actually better than Walter Clayton. I'm not I'm not convinced of that. Like I, I think it's a I think it's a real argument. So who does Dingle replace in the starting lineup? Does he he replace Jenkins or Aline or Taylor? Or? I was gonna replace Aline, but like it could be, it could be Taylor. It could be, it wouldn't be Jenkins. I don't think. I think Jenkins is the lock to start, assuming he's eligible, right? And Danis Jenkins does need a waiver. Yeah, you get Dingle. Then you have two kind of dynamic ball handlers with Jenkins and Dingle. You have shooting with Aline and Conway. You have athleticism with Luis and Taylor. You have a big man in Soriano. Like, to me, that's a good team. That's like a potential top 25 team. Wow. 
particularly with Rick coaching. I mean, remember, Joel Serrano was like a 16 and 12 guy. Yeah, he's an all an all conference player. Both, I mean, he he made the all the second team all conference, and in terms of how good he was, and looking for next year, I mean, if a Creighton brings their guys back, if Omax comes back, it's going to be a loaded um, top end talent in, in in the Big East from a player perspective. But Soriano's got to be right up there with those guys after earning the award this year. Right, and again, I. I understand like the hesitancy with these portal guys, but like I, I, I do think Jenkins and like a, a Jenkins dingle backcourt is is quite good. I'd argue it's the the third best backcourt in the league behind. I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's better than Davion McKnight and Quincy Oliveri. It's close. So then. Ashworth, Alexander, and then Kolick, Cam Jones. Those were those Better guys. than Newton Castle? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a Stefan Castle hater. Better than, I guess, technically, if we're just doing one and two, Providence would be Pierre and Garway. Correct. So, yeah, I, I'm, not trying to think, I'm not saying I would put them top 25 preseason, but like, I don't think it would be like a weird thing to do if they had Dingle and... And Rick Pitino, obviously, coaching them. That matters. So so a, another team that totally revamped their roster portal, and I think I have similar, if not the exact same concern, uh, is Georgia. They had Noah Thomason today. They have 13 guys, very deep team. They're 11, 12, 13. They're all like former top 100 recruits. Like this is a loaded roster in terms of depth. But they don't even have the all-league Soriano, right? Who's the best player on Georgia? You know, is it Noah Thomason? Is it RJ Melendez? That's that's not a great sign. So while they have a lot of good players and a lot of good recruits, they're going to need a lot of guys to overperform their projection. Yeah, and it, it seemed like they had like a weird early push for Tyron Lawrence and now seem to be on the outside looking in on that recruitment. That would be obviously a big deal if they got him. That would be the type of like legit difference maker. But yes, this is the the pitfalls of kind of Portland. All right, they've done great work, but it's like their best player is, you know, their lineup is Justin Hill, eight points, two two assists a game last year. Noah Thomason, fine Mac, like he was like the third or fourth best guard in the Mac last year. RJ Melendez, who like was in and out of the rotation. Like if you compare it to like Providence last year who did get a best and second best player out of the portal um, at the time we were thinking Jared Bynum is going to be the best player and those guys are going to compliment him um, so you you can strike gold uh, but even in cases where teams have struck gold like, like look at NC State last year with Jarkel Joyner right that was oh he, he's he's going to compliment Terquavion Smith I mean Georgia needs Needs a best player. They need a second best player because I think if you put a, a gun to my head, I would say, okay, their best player is going to be Noah Thomason, and he's a fourth best player. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, Thomason is legit good. Like he's six two, six three, kind of sturdy, can make shots. 
But yeah, I mean they 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 have a competent nine man rotation. Hill, Thomas, and Melendez, Deloach, Chewa, Demery, Kane, Abdurrahim, and Moncrief. Boom. Have you have your eyes on anywhere in particular next? Um. Well, let me. I'm scrolling through the uh, the tip. You're, uh, your Siena Saints lost Jalon Young to Memphis. I did, I yeah. Point guard. There. Yeah, they just needed a. That was a. Well, he's a body. We'll take him. We should do. Uh, we should talk about Jaden Bradley to Arizona. So, scoring guard next to Kylan Boswell. I mean, for for high upside guy, former five star, and they were in on Bradley the first time. So this should be a good fit. You got Pell Larson can space the floor. You'll have one of the best bigs in the country with Omar Ballo. They just need like an athletic wing at that four spot, and this should be a top twenty five team again. But Bradley, I mean, I mean, he should be a double figure scorer. He 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 could even be the leading scorer if he, uh, you know. Boswell's a pass-first guy. Boswell's a big. And Bradley could, could uh, lead this team in scoring. A little concerned about the shooting here. Like, Boswell is not a great shooter. He shot this year. Like, it, his numbers were kind of uneven in EYBL. Uh, and he shot 39% this year, but, like, not a super high-volume guy. Um, and he's, like, much more like catch-and-shoot than, like, create your own. And then Bradley, like, I think Bradley only made, like, 10 threes all of last year. I want to confirm that. He did start a lot, right? I mean, yeah. He played more than I anticipated him playing because he was so big. Yeah, Jaden Bradley made seven threes last year. He's your two guard. So, yeah, I mean, I I think at the end of the day, this is a take you have to – like – Arizona desperately needed a guy who could create a little bit for himself, who could start at the two, who could, like, do something with the ball, right? Like, that's what Jane Bradley is. But, you know, for, for, for all the benefits of, like, hey, look, you know, he actually was a somewhat productive player for Alabama. He did have a good assist to turnover ratio, et cetera, et cetera, like, he is not a shooter at all, and the numbers, even like the numbers around the basket, weren't that good either. Which is particularly concerning given how good the spacing was for Alabama, right? Like, like if you look, Jaden Bradley shot at the rim under fifty percent. Shot forty six percent at the rim. And a lot, you know, he's super low, low, super unassisted, right? It's all ISO baskets, all ISO. But like an under 50% rim finisher combined with like a non-shooter, it's not necessarily like an overly, overly dynamic offensive player. And I'll counter though with, I mean, he started all 18 games on the best team in the country for most of the season. 21 minutes a game in conference play, five star. Seven points a game. I mean, that's that's a guy who, if 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 he were back at Bama, 
you'd probably say, you know, th- this guy's on all the breakout lists. He could easily get, you know, from seven and three in conference play to 12 and five. I will say Kylan Boswell and Jaden Bradley has the potential to be an excellent defensive backcourt. I I love Boswell. Two really good defenders, two really physical kids, really tough. Like that's really good. And Boswell surprisingly 39% from three on almost one make per game. Maybe there there's some hope there, but I I think it's definitely an upgrade for for, for Arizona to give. Boswell the keys as opposed to running a bag with Creesa. Uh, um, so I think that this backcourt has a lot of potential. It could be really fun in Arizona. They just need that athletic four-man. Um, you know, maybe if Arthur Kaluma hits the portal, maybe that could be a spot for him. Who knows? Um, speaking of athletic four-man, a really interesting pickup that I've been thinking a lot about this past week. Evan Mahaffey to Ohio State. That prototypical you know he, he 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 played some small ball five for penn state he's athletic he also he, he can handle the ball um he's a, a great glue guy every team needs this athletic versatile piece Go, going to ohio state where he, he could be a starter at the four uh next to jamison battle who's not a good defender whatsoever uh he can move out up up to the three next to the defensive mind of Mahaffey. Or you could bring Mahavi off the bench and start one of these freshmen. Um, you know, they have a couple of top 50 freshman wings with Scotty Middleton and Devin Royal. They obviously have Felix Okpara, who's a great shot blocker. Could they go big with him in key? Or they go small and start another shooter and Tyson Chapman, who shot the lights out in EYBL, uh, next to Thornton and Gale. So Ohio State, they got like nine or ten. You know, really good players, a really good rotation here on paper. Uh, and with Thornton and Gale back for their sophomore years and hopefully Key being healthy, they should have a lot of top-end talent. Yeah, agreed. I mean, my view with Mahaffey is, like, it will never hurt you to have him on your team, right? Like, even if Evan Mahaffey is never more than, like, an eighth man for Ohio State for the next three years, he's a valuable use of a scholarship because he can play three positions he can jump out of the gym, brings great kind of energy and great kind of great. Like his body language was always really good. Like he could play two minutes, he could play 20 minutes. And it just felt like it was the same guy in those those minutes. So I, I, I like this. It's a bit of a blow for Notre Dame, whose roster is getting closer to completion, which, you know, it's still going to be very rough this year. But there is at least some longer term promise now that they've gotten some of these freshmen to commit. Um, you know, guys like Logan Imes and uh, Kerry Booth, Braden Shrewsbury, Marcus Burton staying on, and then they got Keba Jai to, to come along as their, you know, potential starting center this year. Still looking like one of the worst high major rosters in the country this year, but with four scholarships, we'll see what they can do. I know they're involved with RJ Sunahara, who's the uh, Division II All-American from Nova Southeastern, which sent Jonathan Pierre to Memphis. Uh, as well as Kobe Rogers to co- College of Charleston and Dallas Graziano to Samford. Undefeated team in Division Two, correct? Yes. From the Southeastern. And yeah. One note with Sunahara, he was actually in the portal last year. It was like Colorado State and Kent State, and Colorado State told him no. 
because they were getting more Ellis Erlington. And... That's the way things work out. They didn't get Marcel Zerlante. But, yeah, Notre Dame might be the worst team in the ACC. I mean, this will be a great litmus test for Micah Shrewsbury versus Kenny Payne. We'll get a real value of coaching because Kenny Payne has all the talent. If if Notre Dame finishes above Louisville, Kenny Payne should not be allowed near a basketball for the rest of his life. The best player on Notre Dame on paper, probably Kerry Booth. Oh, no, 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 no. Kerry Booth is, like, not ready to contribute in a college game right now. Julian he, Roper. He's he's kind of like Noah Clowney, but a little more wingy, right? I don't know. He was, like, a straight five in AAU. And he's also – he is very awkward. He had jumped up in uh, 24-7. He's, he's, like, 48th now. He might have had a great year at Brewster. But, I, I mean, I, I would be very surprised if he's not the starting power forward for Notre Dame next to Kevin Jai, um, who, who was a pretty good recruit in, in his own right and started some games for Penn State last year. I think started a lot of games, actually. Yeah, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't suck. He also didn't really fit their team last year because they were so non-traditional. Right, they, they wanted to go small. That was, that was their counter against the – Behemoths in the Big Ten. Um, but then you mentioned Roper, who was, what, the eighth man on Northwestern? Correct. Could, could be their best player. Um, and then Marcus Burton, who was a three-star point guard, probably, probably the starter at this probably point. Probably scorer, yeah. Um, but they have, they have four, four scholarships left, so they have, they have some work to do, and they can you know wait out the – Musical chairs a bit here. If they got Sunayara, he would start at the four instead of Booth. We're thinking, Theoretically, yes, yeah. Um, and you know, kind of a similar talking point um, to kind of show how the roster is not up to par, right? I've been saying this for a lot of people with Georgetown. They add Ishmael Masood. Like you guys added the seventh man on Kansas State. You added the, what, ninth man on UNC, the sixth man on Illinois, and a red shirt on Texas. That's great great long-term, right, to get some of these guys with multiple years. But next year, I mean, again, they have four spots as well. They need at least two starter transfers to be, you know, I mean, they're they're in the bottom three right now in, in the Big East, I think, clearly, with yeah, and I know there will be a lot of discussion about Isaiah Miranda. I'm very skeptical that Isaiah Miranda is a guy that is, like, really contributing to winning as a freshman. For those who don't know, Miranda's a top 40 recruit. He's from Rhode Island. He's from Pawtucket. He was not kind of interested in Providence the first time around. It's like USC, USC, USC. And then very, he was very late to make a decision. Then there was Louisville. All, all these teams were in and out. It was Oregon. And then it was up. I'm reclassifying up, and I'm going to NC State. NC State took him. They lost Dusan Mahorchich to an injury. But they redshirt Isaiah Miranda. 
And then the portal, they took Clemson's backup center in Missouri's like third string center, um, essentially knocking him out of town. And now I honestly have no idea where he's gonna get. No idea. It's really fascinating. It seems like a lot of Big East teams could be involved. Potentially Villanova could get into the mix. Obviously, Georgetown would be a potential name. Providence, maybe we don't rule that out with Kim. Seems like a vanity play for Mr. English. We we do need someone with his exact theoretical skill set. Um, it's funny because I've been looking at all these kind of stretch bigs. None none of them actually make shots. Correct. Like I was looking at Kenny Poto, who I'm like almost positive was supposed to be a stretch five. He doesn't make any shots. I was looking at Breidenbach from Nebraska. He doesn't make any shots. I mean, even Noah Horkler, who was one, who was an amazing stretch five in his sixth year of college, or, or a stretch, stretch four rather, in his sixth year of college. I mean, his shooting numbers were not good prior to Providence as well. So these guys, you just have to like wait until they hit shots. Um, do you want to talk Matthew Cleveland to Miami? Yeah, that's a good one. Go for it. Feels like a good fit. Um, I've not been the biggest Matthew Cleveland fan the last few years. Obviously, it's not been a great situation. But if you looked at this Miami team, you you, you said the one thing they really could use is like a 3-4 in the Jordan Miller mold who could like make a shot and like handle the ball. There is no better player than that on the board than Matthew Cleveland. So this takes, like, A.J. Casey out of the starting lineup. You can go, like, a Bensley Joseph, Nigel Pack, Poplar, Cleveland, O'Meara lineup with, you know, guys like Casey and Christian Watson and Waco off the bench. They also have one of the, uh, you know, they have Kaishwan George, who is one of these international kids that the dice roll. They still have three scholarships. So, you know, maybe there's room for, like, a, like a scoring guard off the bench, but, rations are dwindling in the portal rather drastically so i saw i believe it was andrew slayer still said van allen lubin to miami um which would make sense in that he, he can play the four and the five yeah. could play with omir could play with cleveland play with michael nawoko who's a really un, un, underappreciated freshman i was good in the hoop summit and then he, he mentioned Casey was a top 75 crew. So the town I, still- I wonder if there's like a Nigel Pack wants to play point guard for his NBA stock. Matthew Cleveland wants to play the three for his NBA stock. Okay, we'll just go get, you know, we'll go get this, you know, four man who can allow those guys to do that and push Bensley Joseph to the bench. Yeah, I was going to say, I. I think maybe we'll view Matthew Cleveland in a different light, him playing the four as opposed to Florida State. He's playing the three. They had Cameron Fletcher. They had um, Baba Miller played four. I mean, they they really, you know, that's a Florida State thing, right? They they played Jonathan Isaac at the three. Right? Those big long wings, that's kind of their MO that they like to play a bunch of them at once. Thinking, oh, okay, maybe Cleveland playing the four, that'll let them loose a bit. Uh, but, yeah, you're right, maybe – um, because now it looks like Pack and Joseph start together in the backcourt. Maybe Van Lubin will start and push everybody up some. But this this 
Miami team should still be very good. I mean, Wuga Poplar is going to be a very popular breakout candidate. And even Joseph, he was a great recruit. He, he's been playing more as the years have gone on. Can really defend, you know, kind of an old school point guard in a, that that respect, like kind of a table setter guard. Um, and they should have Omir back as well. So Miami should definitely be good again. Um, one more in the ACC before moving on. Joe Girard to Clemson. <clears throat> Thoughts here, Brad? I mean, there's been a lot of conversation about his defense. It's not very good. It's unlikely to get better. Now he's playing man versus zone. Like, Joe Girard can, can really always score. Like, that's that's never been in question. New York State's all-time leading scorer in high school. He scored 1,600 points at Syracuse. He can shoot, like... He's in a backcourt now that has Chase Hunter and a big who can shoot in P.J. Hall. Like, this seems like a solid situation for him. It's kind of a weird roster. So I have it as Chase Chase Hunter, Joe Girard, Jack Clark, Ian Scheifelin, and P.J. Hall with, Me too. Yeah. you know, some combination of Hemingway, Godfrey, Beadle, Wiggins, and Hyde Bretter off the bench. What about Bat? Buzz late. Oh, yeah. I forgot to fill him in as the 13th scholarship. Backup five. Buzz late was calling people about GA spots. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's the scholarship player for Clemson. It's game of musical chairs. He didn't realize what, what the big mark is like in, in May. Um, he probably got some NIL money for it, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so they have a few guys who are shooters, right? Gerard's a little more than a shooter. But then you got Hemingway and you have Hydebreder as well. And they got the whole combo guard contingent from last year. Hunter had, had a tremendous year. Um, so the Hunter-Gerard backcourt looks pretty solid. But then you look at Jack Clark, who was a really effective foreman for NC State. Say, okay, he's at the three now. He doesn't shoot it very well. Then Shefflin and Hall started last year together, so you figure they're starting again. That's two bigs. Then they got late in the portal. Got Godfrey's a nice prospect. He's athletic. He's lefty. He's he's strong. He he's he's kind of like Earl Timberlake. Um, although I mean, Godfrey might be better than Timberlake at this point. Uh, Timberlake off to his second year at Bryant now. Uh, you you had mentioned that they had another shooter and Hydebreder that other coaches had told you like nah he's he's not he's not the guy um, and then Chauncey Wiggins played some last year too so they have yeah kind of a weird mix but under I, Underwood I, talked I, very highly be- of Godfrey Beadle and Wiggins over the over the last year yeah my point is being that they that they got two bigs then a guy who was a big last year on the wing and then they got two kind of combo guards together. Uh, it's kind of a weird mix. Agreed. Um, I want to talk about Texas's two bench additions with Shendall Weaver from UT Arlington, where he was one of the, um, I believe he was the WAC freshman of the year, averaged like nine points a game. And then Zarek Ongema from UTEP, who was coached by Rodney Terry his first year. is like a, just like a stable 
rotation big, doesn't really do anything. He's 6'8", doesn't really block shots, like whatever. Um, and I brought this up on Twitter. Like, there's there's real risk here because it's going to become, and it already is, but it's becoming much harder potentially with a new rule change next year. It becomes significantly harder to run kids off if they've transferred already. So you take a kid on a three-year contract, right, which is what Weaver is essentially, three-year transfer. They better be good enough, because if not, you're just saddled with a scholarship. And I, I, I don't hate, like, in a, in, in, in a vacuum, taking a kid like this who, like, they, they, I guess the way I would think about it is this. Shindell Weaver is very similar to, like, Michael Ely from Siena, where, like, he averaged nine points a game as a freshman. He's kind of productive. Clearly, like, has a little bit of talent. If he comes back and he averages 17 points a game, he's going to be, like, the new – you know, JV and McCollum or Noah Thomason or like guys from the WAC who've moved up and trying to think of for, you know, Weaver's sake, right? Like, you know, like all, like list a mid-major, like first team all get all league guy. They all go to the big 12 or they go to the league that's, you know, regional for them and it fits. So I don't have a huge issue with like rolling the dice so that happens, but if it doesn't, you're in trouble. And the Onyema kid is fine as a backup. So Texas probably needs still like an upgrade at like the true like wing spot. And then one, maybe two more guys beyond that just as like solid depth. But if nothing else, these two guys for next year, give them some bodies off the bench to go with this pretty potent starting five. Yeah. I mean, it's less risky for the team to take him than to, to, to take the Shindal Weaver than to take like a three-star freshman. It's way more risky for Mr. Weaver, uh, who could get buried. Well, I'm not convinced that it is because it'll be easier to run off the three-star freshman. But you can still run off Weaver. He just has to sit next time. No. There is a rule that is being discussed that is likely to pass um, that will force... It will if you if if a kid who has if you if you if a kid is transferring that you ran off if you run off a kid they have to have I'm trying to think of the right way of putting this because I've heard this rule explained like four times to different people if a kid is run off then all of a sudden they need to have enrolled at another school before you can fill that scholarship. Oh, yes, I think you've mentioned that before. So at Texas, it might work out okay from the sense of like, all right, like Shendell Weaver has been at Texas. Someone in like the WAC will take him. But there's like simple things like they have to wait until they physically enrolled in school based on the way the rule was explained to some compliance people I respect. So it is going to make filling that scholarship very difficult. The three-star freshman, you take him, he sucks, whatever. Next train out. But also, on on the other hand, right, nine points a game, you know, freshman of the year in an underrated league, I think I'd rather have that guy on my team than random three-star freshman. Probably true. But we'll see if Texas can, can further bolster this roster that has some certainly interesting pieces. Kind of um, staying in the state of Texas, Baylor got 
Eves Missy to reclassify top 50 recruit now. I think he was a five star in 24. Now he's a, I think a top 50 guy in 23. As to their center, trio with Chamachachua and Joshua Ojiwuna. I mean, it's two guys who, I mean, JTT has played a ton. He's still come back from the injury. Missy, super hot. Highly regarded as a top 50 talent, and Ojiwana played last year in 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 the rotation when JTT was out. So they're Baylor's pretty set. I I I just think that they still need a starting point guard. Any idea if that's going to be J, Jaden Nunn or just stick with Miro Little? I was I have them as Little, Nunn, Walter, Bridges, and Chamochachua. With Love, Grimes, Loner, Ojan Wuna, and Missy off the bench. Yeah. They just need they need a little bit more depth, like on the wing. And also He's Bridges the- is in the draft. I don't think he would leave. But like, that's a guy that has some appeal to people in the NBA, like skill set wise, if he ever puts it together. So he has a good week at the Elite Camp this weekend. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But you know, I I don't quite understand reclassifying up another five for Baylor. It seems like, all right, like, whatever, we've got them. Unless you're just kind of writing off Ojan Wuna. Uh, I'm a fan of, of Mr. Ojan Wuna, but we shall see. I mean, every team needs the Jalen Bridges of, of the world in the NBA. You know, flyers on these kind of three fours with good size that can shoot. Um, so that's it's kind of what's keeping him around. Uh, you know, mentioned Arthur Kaluma earlier. They're like Omax Prosper, like those those type of players everyone needs. Um, so even though he's not, you know, he wasn't even that good for Baylor this past year, but I could I, I I could definitely see him kind of stick around in the NBA. Agreed. Um. I have one more on my list. You may have a few more that you want to hit. Oh, yeah. Um, I had Elijah Weaver, or not Elijah Weaver, excuse me, Elijah Fisher to DePaul. DePaul. DePaul continues to just add, like, kind of random pieces. We texted about this, right? So DePaul in the last week has added Elijah Fisher, top, you know, 50 recruit out of high school, and Churchill Abbas, who's like a top 100 big man, kind of a project. They've added in the portal, like, Jaden Henley was, like, a good project. They added Chico Carter, veteran, Jeremiah Oden, veteran. They have a few guys back, right? Like, this roster is not terrible. Like, all these guys are, like, capable-ish mid-plus to high-major players. But, like, does it really move the needle? They they do this every year. It just never works. And there's nothing else they could do. You know, I mean, they had Max Struess and Paul Reed on the same team. Well, it, it I mean, what they need to do is they need a coach who elevates, like, the sum of the parts. Right, and I, I've been out on Tony Stubblefield from the jump. I mean, we're talking, a, a, you know, a Big East team hiring an assistant coach, and it's a coach who's coached at Oregon where it's got to be incredibly easy to get players given their Nike connection. He's going to go to DePaul that has to drag its way out of the basement. The thing with Stubblefield, I, I give him a lot of credit. They consistently play really hard. But so, so they're playing hard. 
They have talented players, and they just lose over and over again. It's it's, it's really fascinating. And, and I mean, you look at this team now. Elijah Fisher's a great, great gamble. He's he's some you know he, he's like a big wing. I think people probably er, earlier in his career probably called him more of a combo guard, but he's like that big physical, you know, kind of like Caleb Daniels style almost. He's not the shooter that Daniels is, but you know he's physical. He could back you down. That's that's a good take. Um, Odin can shoot it. Henley has potential to be you know, a guy with great size that can score three levels. Chico Carter is a shooter. Odin's a shooter. Um, Jalen Terry, I think, was banged up last year, but previously showed a lot as a point guard who could shoot. Deshaun Nelson had a great year as like that bigger four man who could hit a mid-range, could post up a little bit, super active. And Angenda was hurt basically all last year. He should be back starting at the five. So, I, I mean, this is a talented team, but they're not going to finish higher than ninth. There's, there's, there's no way. I mean, they're probably not going to finish higher than tenth. There's just something in the water. It's interesting. It's also like, think about it this way. Like, the last two years – They've gotten like way more from like their point guard than you would have ever expected. Like Javon Freeman gave them like a monster, monster year. We weren't even totally sure he was going to start. He's an NBA. He's an NBA player. And Emoji Gibson comes in. We're like, all right, this guy's a shooter. All of a sudden, he's like a point guard. He's dynamic and he's playing in plays for others. Like it feels like they're doing a lot right, but they're still not that close. And it would be interesting to hear, like, what is the grand vision? Like, make DePaul better. Like, are you going to recruit better players? Probably not. Are you going to recruit better culture guys? Maybe. It was is tough. That a feasible way of building it in 2023? I don't know. Because, like, right before the start of the year, it's like, oh, Ngenda's out. It's like, oh, jeez. But at least we have your and I. It was, on paper, you know, one of the better backup centers in the country. And then when they go to their tournament, where they got Oklahoma State, in Santa Clara and Central Florida, in, in in that tournament, which is a little better in 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 hindsight than you would have expected preseason. Anai was out as well. So now you're missing your two centers. Like you're you're completely screwed. Um, but then they got Anai back, and they're in Big East play, and they're still getting, you know, they're not very very competitive with the top or the middle of the league. And then again, the kind of burned the year, came back really late and had had some good plays. Uh, I think if memory serves, he had a game winning block in the Big East tournament. Um, but he has missed so much of the year. So, so now next year, I mean, we're talking about, oh, these transfer heavy teams don't don't have best players. I mean, again, is really good. He could be a best player. Now he's defensive oriented. He, he's not a scorer. Um, but Deshaun Nelson averaged double figures. Jalen Terry, I think, has averaged double figures before. So, again, that they, they they have the good players. This is not going to happen. No one's doing more DePaul analysis than we are on this show. So, where else do you want to get to, Brad? Um, Isaiah Coleman, Seton Hall. Yeah, I figured you would. Um, so they're they're slowly but surely they've added the two bigs we talked about last week. Um, just, you know, want to hit people and Betty Ako and then Hudson's average is a little more skilled. Then they added Isaiah Coleman who could come off the bench or start top 100 recruit. 
much needed given the uh, much maligned Seton Hall NIL program. I'm still kind of skeptical with this group. I think you're a believer. Um, yeah, I think that they're that they're the eighth best team in the Big East, but I think that they'll be pretty good. I think maybe like a little better than they were this past year. Be interesting to see how consistent Kadari Richmond is, and the Coleman thing is interesting because he was like, if you asked me like who has more NIL, Seton Hall or College uh, Charleston, I'm pretty sure it's College Charleston. Which is crazy, but I mean, top 100 recruits score, good size, can shoot the ball, right? I, I think the Seton Hall team just needs to add like a transfer guard and like a transfer maybe four or five, and then you know we'll we'll see what what caliber of player those turn out to be. I mean, we were touching on Lance Ware earlier. I mean, I think Lance Ware would be a no-brainer for Seton Hall. He's probably already got the NIL money from Kentucky, so he can come in and start immediately at Seton Hall and put up some good numbers. I mean, he's very athletic. He's good around the rim. He could play. I mean, you you could even go big and play him with with Bediaco and just crush the offensive glass. And then he could play the five with Trey Davis in a more natural combo there. So I think Lance Ware to Seton Hall is a no-brainer. Lance Ware is a pretty easy. Lance, like Lance, like Lance Ware is a pretty easy like plug into any situation because he's big, he really moves well, and he plays really hard, right? Like, there's no guarantee he's going to go into a situation that's like considerably better from a like a role standpoint than what he's had at Kentucky as like a backup, back backup five. Maybe a little better because there won't be like competition pushing him from behind, like a Onyenso or, you know, this year potentially Aaron Bra- or Aaron Bradshaw. But, you know, I I have no qualms. Like if you look at all these biggest teams, Georgetown, Providence, Seton Hall, St. John's, like all these teams, like all right, like yeah, they could he could he could play there. Villanova, yeah. Yeah, Villanova, he could play there, sure. Now, could, should he just go to, like, an A-10 school or something and be, like, the starter? Maybe. I think I think he, he definitely starts at Georgetown and Seton Hall. He was never a guy that I thought looked, like, overmatched at Kentucky. Like, he didn't have a skill that, like, made him, like, a plus player in any capacity, right? Like, he's not a great defender. He's not, like, a rim protector. He's not, like, a shooter. Like there was nothing you were gonna do like oh we gotta put in Lance where because he's gonna score or he's gonna space or he's gonna you know protect the rim, but like he's uh, perfectly useful enough for slash five. So you watch a lot of A10. How about Hunter Dean to LSU? He's athletic and active, and given the backup big man market, that seems perfectly good to me. Seems like a good Will Baker backup, especially an in-state kid going home. We'll see with this LSU team if if they're talented enough because I I swear by they were talented enough last year and it all it all came crashing down. Um, I'm scr- it's kind of like the Georgia thing except at least they have a best player, Jalen Cook. J- yeah, Jalen Cook. But I think the overall roster for Georgia might be a little bit better. I don't know. Did we touch on Jonathan Lawson the Korean? I think so. Fine pickup off the bench. He can shoot, can play multiple positions. Um, rolling here. Um, San Diego State didn't get anybody, but they're getting 
the fourth visit for Zubiegia 4, which I think might be too late. Um, Arizona State out of the shooter, Bryson Long from the Southland. Got some Adam Miller insurance. Yeah, that, that's a weird one. Oh, we need to talk about Cal. That's what we need to do. Jalen Tyson. I mean, they've done a remarkable job of turning over the roster. Yes. With, with the Texas Tech guys, I didn't even put together that J- Jalen Tyson and Fardaws were teammates yes. at Texas and Tech. Obviously, the Fardaws connection with Mark Madsen helps, but um, also worth noting that they hired Matt Sherbensky, who was the director of recruiting at Texas Tech, super, super well-liked to be an assistant coach. Also hired Amaro Morgan from Loyola Chicago, really, really plugged in in recruiting. Uh, and Adam Mazurai, who's the associate head coach at Vanderbilt, does a really good job. So, like, their staff's awesome. Um, I don't think anyone could have foreseen this in terms of their portal success. Um, just kind of given the fact that Cal has academic concerns. And from what I've gathered, those concerns are not necessarily something that they had to worry about this spring. Uh, and they were able to have a little bit more leeway than Cal coaches in the past, which if I were Mark Fox, I'm sure I wouldn't be thrilled by. But, like, at the end of the day, right, like, this is, like, these are the types of kids you have to be able to take if you want to have a chance to win. Full stop. Yeah, Especially come from 3-29, and 29, right? If your goal with Cal is to, like, be competitive, right? Like, I'm not quite sure I can talk myself this into this being a tournament team. No. But, like, it's in the, like, it's no longer that crazy realm. No, I mean, Tyson and Fardaz, I mean, Tyson's a high-level Big 12 starter, definitely. Same with Fardaz. And then we'll see um, Aziz, ben- Aziz Bandego still out there. I still think Duke for him. Cincinnati's been weirdly mentioned with him a lot. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. And then Cal... Obviously, with the Madsen connection, but you have to come off the bench, presumably, behind Fardos. Duke, I mean, he might start. Yeah, I'm, I don't think Cal's getting Aziz, but, like, man. Like, like they could start Jalen Cohn, Devin Askew, Keontae Kennedy, Jalen Tyson, Fardos Amac, with Mike Meadows, Jalen Celestine, Monty Bowser, and Grant Newell off the bench. That's multiple top 50 recruits. <laughs> A Cal. Yeah. The year. They should be middle of the pack, Pac-12. Yeah, like like, like they could play in the postseason. Speaking of a guy who we shit on all the time, um, Ben Johnson adds Elijah Hawkins, point guard from Howard. They need another point guard. I mean, for a backup point guard, this is a great get. I bet, I bet he'll play some with Mike Mitchell as well. I still think Minnesota's at a talent deficit here right they're 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 not moving the needle at all like elijah hawkins is not a high major player not all that close i mean yes like like you said sure as like a quote-unquote backup or but they couldn't get charles pride going to st bonnie's yeah i woge stepped up i guess with a nice and there's a little and NIL, and the other thing with Charles Pride is that St. Cloud Adventure is hiring Putnam Sciences' Dana Valentine to be the uh, assistant replacing Steve Curran. I don't know if that's public or not, but that's like a thing that's supposedly happening. 
That makes sense. Uh, we also got Dwayne Thompson, who was a Putnam Science correct. guy. Correct. Yeah, one other Putnam Science kid in this high school class. So that's been a pipeline. It will continue to be a pipeline. A oh, quick on BYU. They get Quez Glover. Nice pickup. I'm assuming he's eligible, yeah. And then they added Dawson Baker last week. And they're bringing back like three starters, I guess. If they were in the WCC, I think I'd think they'd be pretty good. Right, but in, in, in the Big 12, I mean, even them going bigger, right, they're probably going to play Khalifa and Traylor together, um, four and the five. Yeah, I've got I've got Glover, Baker, Robinson, Treor, Khalifa with Dallin Hall, Spencer Johnson, Richie Saunders, and Atiki Ali Atiki off the bench. The, they're bringing back a lot from a, a fine, a good mid-major team last year, uh, but the top end talent here is not Big Twelve worthy. They're going to be in the bottom three or four teams for sure. Cincinnati just lost. Mike Adams Woods, supposedly this is an NIL thing. He was already in the six figure range with West Miller from what I had gathered, but is hunting for more. So Jizzle James, yes, you heard that right. Jizzle James, the son of Edgar and James, the former um, NFL running back. He takes on a big role with this group. I'm not Adams Woods is just like fine, right? Like he's he's definitely more of like a game manager type point guard, doesn't really do a lot statistically, but like he's a competent, you know, high major player who will be in demand. But Cincinnati now could, you know, they, if they could get another ball handler, it'd be good. But they still have him and the, uh, they still have Jizzle James and the top junior college player, Davion Thomas. Yeah. And, and we mentioned last week that they have like an endless supply of wings. You know, for Mika Adams Woods, he's from. Albany City Rocks, right? Correct. Syracuse, maybe, if Judah Mintz leaves. If uh, <laughs> Adam Weitzman's going to open his bank account again. No, Adam Weitzman's cooked. I feel like he, he, he can't resist. That's that's my, my interpretation from the outside of Mr. Weitzman. He paid Simeon Torrance to go to Binghamton. <laughs> Which seems like one of the worst ways to spend money. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a real f you to. Uh, we give you a real f you, and we're gonna, we're gonna pay Simon Torrance like way too much money so that he goes to Binghamton. We're gonna take your eighth man who you don't even care about and send him to Binghamton. How, how do you like that? <laughs> um, oh, speaking of kind of weird portal stuff, how about? P.J. Fuller from Washington, he, he, he's been like a starter at there in TCU, you know, like a key bench guy starter both places. Hasn't, hasn't really panned out. He, he, he was a big, bigger crew, top 75. We got the first tweets that he was going to enter the portal on March 15th. He didn't enter officially until yesterday, which is one of two options, right? Either he's like the biggest procrastinator in the world which is pretty funny. Or he thought he just like literally just had to say, I am in the portal. Like Michael in the office where he's like, I declare bankruptcy. He just had to say, portal, I, I declare portal. Uh, but now he's finally in. So, Yeah, he's a guy who's never been particularly good, but has played a lot everywhere he's been. So, 
he's huge for a combo guard. Um, Temple. Temple's filling out their roster. They're kind of in, in, in the Adam second Fisher, favorite. Adam Fisher starting to feel safe in the streets of Philly? Yeah, you know, Temple is with the mid-majors uh, boarding the flight, right? They're in the second wave of musical chairs. Um, they had Jordan Riley from Georgetown, who's a good player. He's a very good athlete. Uh, Pat Ewing didn't fully trust him. They kind of jerked him in and out of the lineup. But he should be a good starter for them. And they had Quante Berry, four years of eligibility, as redshirted at Providence. Supposedly he, he's a good player. Um, I watched him in high school both high school and AAU. I really liked his game. He's just buried at Providence. He, he was never going to play. But he's like 6'4", uh, combo guard. He can score. He's a good athlete. He'll he'll mix it up inside. He's just like a okay shooter. He's kind of skinny, and he's not a point guard. So he's kind of kind of st- stuck between positions. But I think long term, that's a good ad for Temple. Yeah, also, like, at the end of the day, you're getting a kid who theoretically can't transfer again, and you'll get for three years before they graduate. That's like a kid that you did you would be considered a really good recruit for you if you just got him out of high school, and he spent a year in a college weight room. So slam dunk to me. Speaking of the backup transfer, the, the backup center market, um, Iowa adds Evan Bronze, who was a starter at Belmont. That's a good ad for a backup. Feel bad for Riley Mulvey. Yeah, that's, Riley, Riley Mulvey should have hit the portal, come to the Siena Saints back home to Albany. Said we're hey. stuck with uh, Giovanni and Mejeru from uh, Sam Houston. Sam Houston. You guys have spots. I mean, Mulvey's got to keep moving here. He's got two days, and he's never going to play. Um, we'll see if he ever ever's healthy. He's had like three knee surgeries. Sienna's going to visit from an under 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 the radar 2023 kid from Canada this week, Michael Ev Bagaru from uh, he won the MVP of the BioSteel All American game, which is like a big deal. Like that's like all the all the good Canadian players playing it. Six five, it's like a kind of a he kind of reminds me of like an Anthony Gaines style of player. Like you know, his high school coaches say he's like Jimmy Butler, but I don't know. See. I, I'm just saying that I'm just expecting the fan reaction to be really good when they have an F Bagaroo and an Amejaru on the same team. It's gonna be too confusing. I mean, you guys need a point guard in the portal. Huh? So you guys need a point guard in the portal. Correct. So does Iowa, I think. But I guess I was rolling with either Perkins at the one and Dix at the two or Bowen at the one, Perkins at the two. Either way you could use another guy in there. Agreed. Here is some shooting. Um, the te- Tennessee roster is starting to take shape a little bit. No new ads, but they um, uh, BJ Edwards has hit the portal, who is Quante Berry's a- AAU teammate, also now four years of eligibility. So that's another pretty valuable guy out there. Yes. Especially again, he's another guy that didn't prove anything wrong in his one year at Tennessee. He he was a borderline top under recruit. SMU's got a weird team here. They added uh, Jaheim Hudson, who was coached by Rob Lanier at Georgia State. Yeah, I liked their guards. Their big men are not great, but Xavier Foster did nothing last year. 
What a fall from grace. I guess kind of like Isaiah Miranda, that was all theoretical as well. Except Foster was like a big dude. Um, Very big. I remember people thought he he, he was going to get drafted. I don't remember which 24-7 guy it was. They said that he was like the next Costa Kufus. The next Costa Kufus. And, and watching the highlights, I was like, yeah. That's an incredible sell. Look at this guy go. Uh, you know, he th- think think he wasn't playing in the great high school league, but he was blocking shots, he was dunking, he was doing it all. Um, but yeah, SMU is, is is in such a weird spot. They were they were not good last year, despite taking some good pulls in the transfer portal. They might be headed off to the Pac-12 soon. Their best player next year might be Chuck Harris. Oh no, oh, yeah, Eric, Eric Phelps. So, yeah, Phelps. He is in the draft, though. We'll see if. I mean, he, he wasn't at either combine, though, right? So he's probably back. He's um, a sleeper, but he's got, you know, he's got no buzz. He was went to DePaul, I think, as, as a high school recruit, if I remember correctly. I don't know if, if he's ever committed or if, or if that was his crystal ball action. Um, but they, they added Denver England, too, who can really shoot it, who never got on the floor at Georgetown. They added Tyreek Smith, who. Athletic Big was played at both Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. So that's just a, a weird program. They're, they're in the weird AAC, and they could be in the weird Pac-12 coming up. Speaking of weird, George Washington, just a very deeply weird recruiting. Because, you know, I think Chris Caputo did a pretty darn good job his first year, no question. But, I mean – they just keep signing these guys like no one's ever heard of, just to like just see what happens. They took, uh, like like their 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 portal class is DJ Buchanan from Virginia Tech who redshirted, Benny Four Schroeder, years. huh? Four years of eligibility for Mr. Buchanan. Benny Schroeder, who was a fall out of the sky Gavoni to Oklahoma, but then played four games, transferred. Garrett Johnson, who spent two years at Princeton, never played a game. That he had a benign tumor on his hip that caused him to miss miss time. And they just took uh it took this this London kid, Zamoku Waluche Ume, who is a Gavoni a Gavoni special who just completely mm-hmm. fell out of the sky to the point that we don't even have any stats. Gavoni didn't even, even know. Himself. He averaged 17 and 10. Like all these guys do. There was no sell for him. Gavoni couldn't even come up with one. He was like, this, is this guy could be intriguing. Like every other guy is like, yeah, 17 and 10 in the Finnish B League. <laughs> like this guy is is going to be like the project of all projects. Yeah, he, he has to be terrible. <laughs> um. I will say, though, there's some interesting, like, pieces here in the backcourt, both this year and long-term. Like, Bishop's there this year, and then long-term they have Jacoy Hutchinson, who at one point was, like, a big-time recruit. And he looked pretty good at IMG when I saw him this year. Uh, and then Trey Autry, Adrian Autry's kid, he was pretty good for the City Rocks. So, and then you have Buchanan up front, who's, like, a four-man with four years of eligibility. They seem to really need a five long-term. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Chris Caputo is gonna get get a rolling here. 
We got a bunch of A10 international polls recently. LaSalle got one. St. Louis got one. You or I got one last year. And uh, VCU and Davidson, are, or VCU and Dayton, excuse me, are du- duking it out for this kid. Is name like right. Daniel Bell or something like that? I, I think Mikel Bell, I think. Something Bell. Yeah. He's one of these guys that seems to be very highly regarded. Just randomly out of the blue. It's like, this guy's awesome in France, and he's between VCU and Dayton. He's deciding. He's between these two today. rivals. He's going to visit and decide. I love, I, I want all these kids to do these visits in the summer, though. It's Michael Bell. I, so, I, I want, I want, I want like a Davide Moretti situation, where they just I like decide in June they're gonna play college basketball, and then they come to the come to the states for like two weeks and just like tour colleges. I do remember he visited I think like UConn, Indiana, Texas Tech, like Davidson, yeah. Wait, da- Davidson's always been big on the fall fall out of the sky guys. Oh yeah. Dayton had Mongolia Mike last year. Illinois had been increasing on its uh, fought of the sky potential uh, when they took both the kid uh, Zachary Perrin, Zachary Perrin, and then they took Nicolo Moretti, who is Davide Moretti's brother. But then Zachary, the court. Zachary Perrin couldn't enroll in the fall because he couldn't qualify academically. He then sat around for you know whatever it was he, like, for for the fall. At Sunrise Christian, not playing basketball, just like doing class. He got eligible. He enrolled in December. He got there. He started practicing. And after like a week, he was like, well, why am I not playing, coach? Like, no, no, you're redshirting. He's like, well, I'm, I am I should be playing. I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're going to play next year. And he's like, never mind. And he just headed home after like two weeks. Uh, and then they, th- then they took Nicolo Moretti out of the sky when Sky Clark left. And as you said, Brad, no reason to think that Nicolo Moretti is ever going to play. Because Ray J. Dennis should be coming down soon. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically a comprehensive summary of the gets of the past week, including Zamoko Waluche Ume. Nobody else is doing it quite like us. They, they certainly not. Now, it, it, is it better or worse? Most likely worse, but it's, it, it, it is fun for us. We're two of the handful of people on the planet that it's fun for. I, I get DMs all the time from people being like, hey, man, we love the, sh- we love the show. I put it on when I'm mowing the lawn or put it on while I'm cleaning the house or put it on while I'm at the office. And, you know, if, if, if you guys enjoy us talking about this Uche fellow who's going to George Washington, and we have literally no idea like anything about him other than like his headshot that Gavoni tweeted out. The fact that Gavoni didn't say anything specific other than like this guy could be something maybe. If you have nothing nice to say, you don't say anything at all. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, R.I.P. the uh, Tyson Tate podcast, but they they used to joke about how. College basketball podcast is just how many names do you know? How many names can you rattle off? That's us. That we we rattle off them all. And, but you know, Tom Tom Penders killed it for all of us with these good guests. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he let 
let the cat out of the bag. Can't can't tell the difference between the women's team and the men's team. Um, but soon, you know, a month or so, we'll go over our, our, our bad gets from last year and our bad gets from this year. We're we're the only podcast willing to shit on those young men like that. Uh, <laughs> to be clear, we're never actually shitting on the young men. We're just shitting on their decision. Well, well, not even their decision as much as like the coaches' the decision to take them. Yeah, we're sitting on the coach. Right. All right, folks. I'm off to the NBA, uh, uh, the G League Elite Camp and the NBA Draft Combine next week. Um, still believe we will get you guys a podcast at some point, but uh, it might be uh, it might just be meandering around with the uh, the NBA folks. But should 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 find a way to talk once the portal closes. And we'll have plenty more content here for you as rosters get set here in the next couple of weeks. We get closer to uh, the, the, the true summertime bliss in college basketball.